Welcome to Descriptive, a podcast about JavaScript and other things. I'm your host Khalil and this is episode 15, the Angular 2 Rendering Architecture Document. Alright, so welcome to Descriptive again. This is uh, Khalil and I'm here with my co-host uh, Henning. Hey, how's it going? Greetings hey. from Florida. <laughs> doing a cross-continental podcast today. Yeah. How's it How's it in, in Florida? Is the weather, weather nice? It's crazy hot. <laughs> it's only April and it's I'm sweating all day long, even oh. in the air conditioning. Really? Wow. But I guess I'm used to the cold now, so... <laughs> um, yeah. yeah it's um it's nice i mean the the sun definitely is something that is very uplifting lots of blue sky yeah and sunshine that makes you feel good but then the heat kind of beats you down so <laughs> but i'm not complaining that's good yeah, yeah. vacation um, time is good definitely uh so why are we here we are here because um the next interview podcast um, episode is only going to come up um, next week and uh, so 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 we came together to talk about something uh, something else so last time we talked about um, ember emberjs uh, the emberconf opening keynote um, from from this year and uh, just just yesterday or I think it was yesterday um, a document flew by me on Twitter which is a document that specifies or or um, describes how the Angular two rendering engine or rendering architecture is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically, so I thought since we were talking about Ember so much, um, let's let's have a go at at some Angular two content and see what they're writing in that document and uh, and and go through it and talk about it a little bit. So yeah, uh, sounds great. Yeah, so so so, uh, so you you read it? I um, I take it. I did. Yes. Okay. I didn't understand all of it, but uh, <laughs> I'll ask you some questions. <laughs> well, I I am afraid I also didn't understand everything, but um, yeah. So how did you find how did you find it? Was it was it interesting for you to read? Yeah, absolutely. It's actually really exciting, and I guess that just um, it's something that I've I've known, um, I guess all along. But it this sort of confirms it to see um, this in writing um, that things are getting way more complex on the front end. And um, I guess for a lot of people that maybe is is a scary thing. I think it's really interesting and exciting, um, and this really really becomes apparent in this document. And so my big takeaway is is that things are getting um, yeah, more complicated, but also there's so many more possibilities now um, that I find really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. So what was the first thing that stuck out to you when you went through the document? Well, it's simply the, um, the, uh, the fact that they are splitting up the, the runtime and the rendering layer, and that basically that allows them to be, I guess, cross-platform, not only to run in the browser. Um, I mean, they can still run in the browser, obviously, but they can make use of web workers. They can run uh, mobile. So they're talking about similar things as React Native. And um, it uh, it basically opens up the possibility to do server-side rendering and also helps them a lot with uh, testing. So you can actually test visual stuff outside the browser, which is really neat. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely very interesting. So to me, it kind of looks like, okay, um, Angular, you know, had his was it just had a, this amazing run and it was very popular. Angular one and everything, right? And then so now React came in and Ember.js came with some some innovations and um, and they're kind of catching up. When it comes to performance and and also f like feature sets, like they definitely definitely adding features that make those frameworks very very um, attractive to developers. And you have developers moving from Ember to React and from Angular to React and f 
from other places to Ember, maybe even. And it's and it seems like okay, they 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 basically sat back sat. How do you say that? Sat back. Sat back. Sat 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 back and um, watched that whole thing happen. Sorry. Yeah. They took a step back. Exactly. They took a step back and they watched all this stuff happening, and since they already made that decision okay we're going to go to we're going to make this uh, new version of angular which is going to have a lot of breaking changes it's going to and basically it seems kind of okay we're doing this thing from the ground up um a fresh take on angular um they're just taking all that stuff in looking at what what the cool features are and just taking everything into angular kind of from the beginning just with those features in mind which is uh, exactly yeah yeah which is which is um of course like is genius because at the end of the day like they're in there they they are in this great position because they already said they already said they're gonna redo angular that they can yeah they they can build the new version of angular with that stuff in mind which which means they don't have to do a lot of um, refactoring that maybe would be just add tons of code or in order to implement those features or or do you know or just become uglier or something like that. So yeah, I mean it's a good it's a good place for them to sort of do a restart and get caught up and probably even you know advance past the the other implementations to do mm -hmm. things maybe even a little bit better so they can get rid of a lot of the cruft. Yeah. and make a really kick-ass uh, framework based on these these ideas yeah yeah exactly so the things that we're seeing um that that they are definitely um kind of including now are a virtual dom which which was kind of pioneered by by react and was was included in ember as well or sort of and the the ability to render server side um, is is something that also React and now also Ember are offering out of the box, and we were actually talking about this just uh, I think uh, on the last podcast or the one before. We basically said Angular will have to also kind of include that as an out of the box feature, and that's basically what they're doing here. And um, <clears throat> what was the third? There was a oh yeah, and then. And then, of course, uh, what React Native has been doing. Um, basically, they. Um, I listened to this podcast where the React guys came. I think they came on um, JS Jabber, or yeah, it's the latest one, I think. Yeah, and also on the, on the changelog, I think they came. Yeah, there was a big changelog episode with them, and they basically said that they 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 just saw okay because we have a virtual DOM, we can we can. Uh, render out any other type of tree view um, or we can translate the virtual DOM to any other tree view that you can think of so it was very easy for them to take the virtual DOM that that Java's that react creates and then make make um, some sort of a, um, iOS view thing and, <clears throat> and exactly they can basically render to anything else you just have to sort of have a different render layer yeah. that you bring in and then they can basically do whatever they want to and that's where the the interesting part for the testing comes in too as well and it seems like this is like a common you know react might have started that then ember took it over now these guys are doing the same thing and there's this this overlap that's uh being created now there's you know multiple virtual dom uh instances or or implementations i guess yeah and i don't know about you but the, the interesting thing i'm seeing here is that there's there's a lot of overlap and at ngconf um there was a slide up and i didn't actually watch the video but there was this uh, the slide up the saying ember our partner and what that meant by what i think it meant is because i saw a tweet by he said that basically what they're trying to partner on is um you know the router router.js mm -hmm. and discussions about ember cli so what i'm thinking is oh really maybe over time yeah so maybe over time wow. there will be sort of a collaboration on on common properties because you know? mm -hmm. i've seen this in um i mean that would be that would be amazing you know all these yeah. people working together on 
on a common thing that is, you know, it's not a, not a competition because it's kind of the same thing. And if they all were to work on it, you might get a better result. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a pipe dream for, you know, players that are this big, but in the PHP community, for example, and I always reach back to that, um, there's this, uh, thing that they founded, which is the, uh, framework interop group and all the major framework builders basically came together to agree on certain standards. And um, the things they have agreed on now um, are auto-loading, so how to do auto-loading. Um, they agreed on basic coding standards, a style guide, and the logger interface. So wow, those are, you know, it's not, well, I think that's actually quite a lot of stuff to agree on. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, all the big players are in there, Symfony, um, Zend, Guzzle, Laravel, everybody's, everybody's on board with that. Wow. And it's um, amazing. Yeah, Composer as well. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, I'm curious if the same or something similar might be sort of brewing in this community. Hmm. You know, mm -hmm. what, what do you think about that? I mean, I think JS is very different than, you know, PHP. What, what's your take on that? Hmm. Uh, it seems like it seems like it makes a lot of sense because. Uh, just watching this this i mean arms race so to speak or yeah uh, or um uh, just everybody taking on the good features that the others had like oh how did they do the virtual dom Let, let's have a look at this um okay that's awesome that makes everything performant it makes them flexible they can render out to any platform it makes it just it just is such a such a huge uh such a powerful feature that at the same time um it, it brings this performance you know this the performance aspect with it is just like such a no-brainer right so so ember had to do it angular will have to do it so and and it and then there's the server side rendering which is going to be out of the box for all three and then um and stuff like that so it just seems like there's so many features now that where they inspire each other and just take on similar features or the same features. Um, and it would just make a lot of sense to just have like, to have one implementation of those features that just works very well and then share that and work, to work on that feature together. And I think that I could definitely see this happening because they are ready just very blatantly uh, copying because it's also invited, right? Like it's total and it's right. totally fine. Like there's no, there's no maliciousness here. It's all open source. So it's, you, you're fine to be, it's fine to be uh, inspired or to take pieces of code from, from a competitor or whatever. And um, yeah, and I would, I would definitely love, so there is already a lot of collaboration. There's a lot of communication already. I mean, um, definitely way more than you know with closed source software and i could definitely see that sure sure i mean they're, yeah, they're i mean i don't it. know enough about the about the you know the implementation details to see or to realize if that's you know technically feasible but i'm you know i'm sure it would be down the line but then again yeah. you don't know if google My, and me, facebook would yeah. play play that game i don't yeah, know i have no idea i mean i all I can say is that from from where I'm sitting, I can see that that they're definitely very openly, um, kind of. They definitely seems to be a friendly relationship, right? Yeah, it seems to be friendly yeah. relationship. They definitely respect each other. I think that that's the case, and yeah, I mean, if if they're gonna collaborate on the router, for instance, I mean that would be. That would be amazing. And it makes tons of sense because now this kind of software or those frameworks are getting so complicated and they have to do so many things um, really well. And then also those, some of those frameworks really came up with great solutions. And it's just a lot of work. Why, why do you have to implement your own thing if there, there's already a really good version of it out there? You know, like, so I exactly. can definitely see that see that they would come together on on at least certain as aspects and the the good thing about that it's it, you can it's definitely um conceivable to have them to see them just collaborating on on specific features that are their own libraries right they're just a javascript file that you include in your project and that's it 
Right. The generic parts basically that, you know, yeah. could could work for any any app. Well, especially when or you when framework, you, I mean. Yeah, especially when you look at that they're breaking out the application API now from the rendering API. So it just this this makes a lot of sense, right? Because the application API um now in Angular 2 will just be will follow a similar philosophy to to the React library where they said learn once write everywhere so you you just have to learn react and then you can write windows apps you can write ios apps you can write um, javascript apps and um, that, that's basically what they're following here <clears throat> so they're making one application interface so developers can use that and just be super productive and ha and have their uh, their the core basically the core of their apps run everywhere and um and and so now they're so they're breaking the they're, they're breaking they're breaking angular in 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 half and they're saying okay here's the rendering engine and here is the angular api and the rendering engine consists out of different things like the router templates and so they're always they're breaking it up in like common features and it just makes sense to take some of those and just have everybody collaborate on them if if they can all use it in the same way right and it seems like the the rendering api is sort of the abstraction layer to talk to well the whole um graphical part but it's because it's an abstraction you can basically plug anything you want to into the other side and that's yeah. i guess the the learn once part where you have this um this common or this standard render api that your application layer or your runtime talks to, because um, the the application, I guess the developer would not talk to the rendering layer directly or anything inside the layer. It would do so through this API. Mm -hmm. So that way, it doesn't matter at all what's on the other side. So exactly. it could be mobile, it could be um, server side, whatever. Yeah. So that's that's very very interesting. Yeah, super. And like super you said, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah. Good uh, separation of concerns. Now even down to, you know, a lower level. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they wrote in the in the document that the background for them is is basically so why they why they did it is basically to allow application developers to work with Angular and and access multiple platforms and markets right because the mobile the native mobile market is super huge and and it's even conceivable conceivable that you can write angular apps that then render native native um uh, views for windows apps or you know mac um os x apps and stuff like that so that's right. basically the philosophy behind it and um and there's also there's actually one point that is not inspired from either react or ember or anything else <clears throat> which is that they they want to make angular compatible with web workers out of the box did you see right. that yeah that they want to be able to basically dole out the work to, to web workers possibly that's yeah so, when so you... that's like concurrency and, and performance increases very nice yeah, exactly. So basically, when you have a very computation computation heavy app, then um, you can use web workers out of the box. I have no idea how they're going to make that, um, how they're going to integrate it into Angular and how this is going to work. But I think that's just a that's a great idea because uh, web web workers are a reality and they are very helpful if you have to do a lot of um, computations and that just enables you to do to more easily i hope you know that they make they're going to make it very easy to use web workers and to just um you know give some some tasks to hand some tasks over to the web workers um to yeah to to do like really uh like maybe maybe apps that weren't so easy to do that do, do a lot of calcu calculations in the browser right away so it did just bring bring it's very performance focused basically right yep those changes um okay so i i um 
wrote down some notes here. So the so how it's going to look, there's going to be an application layer, and then there's going to be something they call, so far they're calling the renderer um, in between the application layer and then uh, the render layer. And, right. and, and that thing in the middle, the renderer, is basically um, is an abstraction, um, like you said, um, an abstraction yeah, I think that's that sits the, that's on the, the render API, right? That's yeah, what they, that's the render API. They, exactly. Yeah, and that allows the application to communicate with the render layer, and the render layer uh, to communicate with the application. <clears throat> yep. So, the application layer will consist of the change detector, um, dependency injection, the data model, the router, directives a virtual DOM, and then the language, uh, multi-language support. So that all that stuff is going to be in the application layer. Right. And the render layer will consist of uh, animation, templates, the native DOM, web components, at least for the, for, for the browser environment now. Web components, yeah. CSS, then accessibility features, native events, and custom events. <clears throat> Yeah, so, and then this is the first time in a document where, where they're actually mentioning the virtual DOM, which I found very interesting. Like, this is just like, it's it just seems like, okay, virtual DOM now is reality for JavaScript frameworks. Yeah. <laughs> it seems that way. And then they list, you know, all the different ones that they've, I guess, looked at. Um, mm -hmm. They seem to have an internal version called Barista, and then there's uh, yeah. the um, obviously the React version, which is... Um, sort of proprietary it's not i guess not proprietary but it's not uh general purpose it's very much focused on on react mm -hmm. um and then there's some open source versions of that so that's where i got the idea that you know maybe this is something that will sort of um, merge into you know maybe one or two really well maintained uh virtual doms projects i guess mm -hmm. um don't know but uh that's what that's what sort of sparked that idea and seemed like to be um, something that would make sense. Yeah, definitely. What's sort of your general, um, you know, impression of, of reading a document like this for front-end technology? What, what, what did you come away with? I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I, I wrote to you in, in the comments, it's not your dad's web, uh, web anymore. Mm. So what I'm implying by that is, is the complexity of things now is quite uh, quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, I mean, this the the complexity that the complexity is very high is to me is is already clear since a while. I mean, uh, I know that that they have been developing concepts for Angular in the open since a while, and they've been throwing out those documents and have people people comment and uh, and and work work on in the open basically and um yeah i mean pff, yeah it is it no it, i'm just saying it you makes, know, i saw some go ahead uh yeah so i just wanted to say that um to, to it's not surprising to me at all like it just is okay. to me that <clears throat> i'm i'm already used to um this kind of complexity in in the front end it's it's just how it is. Like the a lot of a lot of uh, things that 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 already exist in the backend since a long time, and paradigms and and patterns and stuff like that. They kind of they're kind of moving to the front end now, and um, and uh, getting just adjusted to the circumstances in the front end somehow. Yeah. Right. Now the reason I'm asking is because I saw just some conversations. Um, some of them uh, in the Ember community or just comments that were made about posts on Radis or Hacker News. And uh, also actually a tweet I saw after the last um, user group meeting in Karlsruhe, I think it was, mm -hmm. you know, where, where people are, are not um, understanding why there needs to be so much stuff, I guess, you know, they just want to include jQuery or whatever mm -hmm. or have a script tag and that be it. And I guess there are still... Well, definitely, there are still applications for that. It it all very much depends on what space you're in. But I just 
looking at this and and doing the things that that I do, I don't see why you would want to do plain vanilla JavaScript anymore. It's just that's nuts to me, you know. Yeah. Unless you're, I don't know. I mean, you still have some... you still have um, a lot of developers that don't really have the need for this kind of framework at all, and and they maybe also don't they don't want to get into like they don't want to be um in the situation to to have to write an app in in javascript there's a lot of javascript that's still written that's just plain jquery um on top of marketing websites and 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 and, you know e-commerce um sites and stuff like that so there is definitely um so there's a very large community that that does that type of work, I guess. He yes, there's tons like as a backend person. At, yeah. at, at agencies, you know, of, of course they also they also use um, JavaScript frameworks for for certain things, but um, very often, like this kind of work that used that used to be the main work of frontend developers, I think is still is the main work for for a lot of for the majority of front-end developers nowadays, there are still tons of agencies that just make the same sites they made five years ago and, and you know, they use jQuery plugins and, and uh, yeah, and you have a lot of front-end developers that n- don't consider themselves JavaScript developers or are not so interested in JavaScript but are, like, super, can, you know, totally nerd out on um, how to use CSS properly and, and uh, right. semantic HTML. There are just different layers. So um, basically, those are, I guess, there's a huge segment still that you, there's no need for an actual application. It's really a website presenting yeah. information in the more traditional sense. And they're, totally. that's where this kind of stuff has no business really yet, no. I guess. No. Right tool for the job kind of thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, because also when you look at Angular and, and Ember and React, so those are those are JavaScript frameworks that take over the whole site, the whole application. They um, right. normally, you know, they definitely present. They render the HTML. They present you with the content and stuff like that. And yeah, and I guess this kind of this kind of split just doesn't really exist in in like in the backend world, where when you write. When you learn PHP or you learn Java, then um, and you want to get into if you want to get better and you want to have a certain expertise and stuff, there's there's a there's basically one route you can go and it's just like okay, you know you learn the fe- features of the language and you learn software development basically how to use patterns right. and when to use them and you learn a big framework because what you're going to do is most likely is going to write applications. And in the front end, there's, there's this, those two sides. Now there's also application developers and there's also, um, yeah. Uh, developers that just kind of, um, work on the presentation layer on the design implemented implementation of the, of the visual, uh, design of the website and, and add a little sugar, you know, JSON, right. JavaScript uh, widgets or something like that with, with plugins. So, yeah. Yep. So you definitely have a lot of, you have a lot of people. Diversity, I guess, yeah. Yeah, you have definitely have a lot of people who, because those frameworks are um, talked about a lot and they have a, there's a hype there because there's this uh, incredible growth and incredible development speed of development going on and it's just exciting to watch and many people talk about that there's um, definitely the, the set of front-end developers that also touch JavaScript but are not so into it they definitely look at it and and, and they're like shit do I have to learn all this now is this really necessary <laughs> like I yeah. don't like it you know there's definitely mm-hmm. this kind of reaction there. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, and All then right. there's the, the, the render API. Yeah. So they basically say it provides the vocabulary and the protocol for the application layer to talk to the render layer. And this API also, um, has no dependencies on platform APIs. So that's basically what we said. It is, it is the, 
uh, abstraction of, of the render layer and uh, stands on its own and doesn't change. And then isn't that also a little bit like the adapter pattern that, that Ember Data uses, where Ember Data is, so to, is kind of the, what the render layer is here? The render API. That's what I would sort of think of it as, yeah, where you can basically, you know, if your renderer basically follows the or has the interface that's required, um, you can just plug anything onto that mm -hmm. and it'll work. Yeah. So that's where, you know, browser, native, et cetera, comes in. Yeah. So So that seems to be that kind of pattern. And of course they want to keep it as slim as possible and they don't want to have like a thick abstraction that makes everything slower. And right. um, so they, they said that the app layer needs to know explicitly which property is interest, uh, it is interested in. So um, because the renderer is so I don't know if I understood that properly, but but I think because the renderer, the render layer is not in the application layer anymore, but is kind of moved out of it. The application layer is not really aware of what's going on in the in the in the DOM. So. <clears throat> In um, in Angular templates, when you would listen to a change event event on an input field, it would just. I think I'm not 100% sure. I might be talking total crap, but I think uh, <laughs> how it would work is like when it changes, when the input field changes, then um, and and you would you could just say bind somehow bind the value of the input field to a change event and then use that value with ng model uh, use it in a different in a different place in the in the template so you would have you would have this um, automatic two-way data binding and you change something you write you type something in the input field and then it you know whatever you type appears on a different in a different place on on the right um, in the browser on the page yeah yeah on the mm -hmm. page <clears throat> and um, what they're saying here now is that you have to be very explicit with what kind of value um, you are interested in, like the application layer is interested in. So in, in your template, you will have to um, specify very explicitly, I am interested in, you know, this is, I'm listening to a change event here and I'm listening explicitly to the value property um, of this input field and it has to be a little bit more explicit in the code in your in your event expression that you're writing in the template than it, than you would have to be before that's how i understood it so it's maybe a little bit more code to write but um yeah i it's not a, it's not a huge uh change to to what was happening before and they also said that when it comes to events, they would always, it would be prevent default by by uh, default, basically. So it's always preventing the default action in the browser. And which means that you would have to, if you want the default action to happen, you you can turn that on somehow because because of that separation. You can't have it on. You can't say, "Oh, I want just the default to happen." You you have to kind of um, read what's happening. You have to you have to um, intercept the event and say, "Okay, okay, this is just a click on a link. Let's do um, a redirect to that link or something like that." If if you want the default to happen, something okay. like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and what I thought was very interesting is that they were saying that with animations, so because the render this this renderer ex abstraction in the middle is is the is like this one point where any change to the ui comes through it, it there's a very simple way to, for for like the animations part of angular 
to hook in into that renderer and basically see, okay, there's this change coming in and then there's that, that change coming in and basically hook in and, and um, just do animations as, you know, as it pleases and, and it can kind of manage the changes and when um, the, the UI is actually going to change you can basically say okay now slide from left to right and then change it and stuff like that and the application layer uh, doesn't have to wait for those um, animations though you can do all your calculations or whatever has to go on in the application layer basically asynchronously and just let all that stuff go through and it queues it up automatic automatically for you okay so that's how i understood that and um what was interesting too was that it give, because there's a separation now, you can also just turn off features in the render layer. If, for instance, if you are on an old mobile and you don't want the animations to happen, you can basically detect that and you can say, okay, turn off animations on this device. And it's just going to show changes in the data without animations. Right, and that's also something that the application layer doesn't have to know or doesn't know, Yeah, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where you turn it off, but um I I just think it's a it's a neat neat little feature because uh, and that's also something that they've said from the beginning with Angular 2 is that they're very focused on performance on mobile. So they really want to, Angular 2 to be um I think mobile first even like they want they're definitely pay, paying a lot of attention to um writing mobile web applications with, with Angular 2 to, to make that performant. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they mentioned two um, languages they're looking into. What was it? Native Script and uh, Fletch, I guess, mm -hmm. to potentially write native applications in Angular. Yeah, so that, that's they're... a different subject, though. What I, was, I, was, what I meant was actually uh, JavaScript apps on mobile devices. So okay. in the browser. Ah, I see. You know, browser applications. Yeah, okay. yeah. so th okay. that's something that they're also focusing on to make the JavaScript really performant in browsers on mobile. But then, of course, right. yeah, the, 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 the native thing they're definitely also looking into and so what they've been saying in the document too is that they are they're going they're going to start um, implementation wise they are going to start with a render layer first of all of course they want to work on the application API and then um, the first kind of render layer that they're going to implement is just the uh, the single process, web browser render layer and then the next one is going to be the web worker one and then they're looking uh, into i guess doing the native the native scripting render layer mm -hmm. yeah so that was Very the uh, that was for me that was basically the notes i had did you have it, have anything else no that was pretty much it i was more at a higher level um i guess <laughs> Um, not so much into the technical details. I just I'm interested in in the ramifications for the whole environment, I guess, or ecosystem, the JavaScript ecosystem. It mm -hmm. seems very very exciting to me. Yeah. Um. So that's that's my takeaway. Yeah. Good times. Very interesting yeah. times. Very interesting times. That's for sure. Yeah. So I'm definitely I'm super super interested in in what's gonna come come from this. Yeah. yeah, this whole thing, this sort of makes me want to, you know, because I said I don't have time to look into the other projects, but this makes me want to look at at Angular more and definitely look at React too, just mm -hmm. to get sort of a more broader broader picture of, of the technologies that are out there and what's evolving um, and not just focus on, on one of them. So it seems very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for me for me as well. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in... in in all those frameworks and it uh, it's it's a lot of fun to to just yeah to to see what's happening and to kind of keeping and to keep up to date with the changes and um yeah there's just so much to learn you know because this is yeah that, that's but that's one of the reasons i got into this this business anyways because i was always bored when i figure out something and then just working on it in maintenance mode sucks but <laughs> This is uh, definitely 
maybe getting a little too much, but <laughs> but certainly keeping it uh, interesting and keeping you on your toes and keeping you sharp, because hmm. otherwise you will sink. Yeah. So were there any other thoughts you had uh, concerning the higher level, like the ramifications for, for the community? No, not, not beyond what I had already talked about, sort of yeah. the, the, you know, potentially collaboration stuff, forming some sort of groups. And, you know, I guess TC39, that's, that's on the language level, that's even higher. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm curious what would come out of that if they, if they somehow formalize something where they, they, um, you know, basically pool their resources and work on some stuff together. Like, yeah. um, an interesting example in the, in the Ember community was that they, they had this deployment problem they were trying to solve. And I guess there were five or six uh, major uh, implementations. And then basically one guy, Camellia, he, he called all the others up. They got on a conference call and they decided they're going to do everything together. And they made one out of six. So that's pretty cool. So I, I wonder if similar things would happen between frameworks because like we already said it just makes sense yeah in some cases so what i what i also like about um, the changes in angular is that they were working on their own kind of javascript typing preprocessor typing thing right it was called at script so mm -hmm. so that was basically something that uh, a syntax that you would use to write angular to code and um, it would introduce typing and maybe also other features. And um, so at the ng-conf, they actually announced, I think it was ng-conf, but recently, definitely, they announced that they're basically throwing away at script and they're uh, adopting TypeScript, which... Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> which was a fairly big announcement. And, um, and it was also... Because it's, I mean, TypeScript is a Microsoft product, right? And mm -hmm. it is, it is, um, it's a, yeah. So basically it means Microsoft and Google are on, on some level, on the open source level, at least they're kind of, uh, joining forces, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, but, um, but on the other hand, it's also not that surprising. Um, if you look at how, you know, how, much they collaborate um the different frameworks and stuff collaborate and work together because typescript is uh is just also a very good software like it it works very well and it has also it it has been around now for a year or so or so and so typescript basically adds um as far as i understood it it adds es6 features and optional typing to your javascript so you can use JavaScript classes and um, fat arrows and stuff like that. And, um, and yeah, you have the optional typing. It's not mandatory. You don't have to type everything, but, but you can use it. And, it uh, and that's, of course, very useful. And I, it, So I've never used it so far, but I've, I know a few people that have used it that I think are you know, very capable JavaScript developers. And I've also listened to a few um, podcast episodes a while ago. And um, I always came away like, the only, yeah, I only got positive feedback about TypeScript. Like everybody I talked to that used it already, they, they actually really, they really like it and they enjoyed using it. So, um, yeah, I've heard about it. Sounds interesting, um, but I have not played around with that at all yeah i think that i think that's very interesting that they just say hey and i think it's great that they said hey let's just use this this is good you know mm -hmm. yeah uh, and um yeah so that i think that's i think that's just uh that's that's, that's exciting and um definitely yeah yeah so f f cool ember has kind of a different approach though right because they also use they they also using um ES6, es6 features and they have a transpiler, but um, but they kind of yeah, but yeah, it's 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 similar because TypeScript also enables ES6 features, and then you have Ember that just uses the transpiler to enable those features, and 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 Angle. So there's also a similar kind of movement again, right? Just the yeah. just the Ember uh, ES6 features they don't have the typing 
that's 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 basically it right yeah right um well, that's all that's all i had so yeah so that's all i had let's keep it uh, uh short and sweet shortish <laughs> <laughs> well it is i mean for uh for a descriptive episode it's quite short um yeah, we're still under an hour <laughs> yeah exactly i think i think that's great um so let's just um let's just wrap it up uh do you have a, i don't have any picks this time mm. do you have anything you don't oh no. man i have i have picks oh cool well let's go through your picks all right well i'll do my picks then um the first one is uh yeah totally off topic but we said that can be anything right um it's actually a toy mm -hmm. and um it's called the lamely doll and um, the reason this became interesting to me is i have a three-year-old daughter and um you know, women are so subjected to um, unhealthy, unrealistic body images on a daily basis. You know, you just have to look at the magazine stands and stuff like that. But it's also, you know, for little kids, little girls, basically, if you look at Barbie dolls. And um, that just kind of pissed me off that, that uh, mm -hmm. it gets shoved in their face at an age that young. So what happened here is this guy called Nikolai Lamb. He's a designer and a researcher, and I guess he did. Um, he basically applied normal, average human uh, measurements to a doll similar to you know the size of a Barbie doll, mm -hmm. and came up with this realistically proportioned doll. And we just got one of those, and it's actually really cool. Um, it looks you know like a normal person, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's a much uh, healthier, better thing to give your your little kid than, you know, this crazy proportioned Barbie thing. So that's my first pick. That's why <clears throat> I have that. Well, that's amazing. The, I think that's that's yeah. really awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was actually a Kickstarter, so it, it plays into the whole um, nerd kind of thing too, because the guy he put that on Kickstarter and got like funded within twenty four hours. And wow. came out with the first edition of the doll, yeah, and um, started shipping, I think, late last year. And now it's, I guess, a standard product, and they're probably going to sort of build up, uh, hopefully, sort of an industry around it, you know, that has all the accessories and all the other stuff that goes with it. So Amazing. I thought that was very interesting, and yeah, so I'm, I'm dealing with that kind of stuff now, so cool. <laughs> hence the pick. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Um, my second pick is uh, something that, you know, since I, I live in Germany and I still want to consume a lot of media that's in the United States, um, but they don't make that so easy sometimes mm -hmm. because of all these uh, zone restrictions and stuff. So there's this service called unlocator.com. I think they're out of Denmark. Mm -hmm. And um, basically it's like four bucks a month or five bucks a month. And it's just you set it up in your router and basically use their DNS mm. and it lets you pretend that you're somewhere else. I know there's other services and things like that, but this is just the one that I use because it just works. You plug it in your router settings and you're good to go. So I can get all my stuff on Apple TV, et cetera, mm -hmm. from the States, which is really nice. That's nice. So I hope I don't get arrested now. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's just a, it's a pain, you know. Yeah, you, oh, I'm sorry. You can't watch this because you're you know, in a zone somewhere else. It's probably because of, you know, advertising or something like that, that they, they do that. I have no idea. Yeah. Anyway, I think, I think, uh, licensing as well. Yeah. It's like yeah. licensing. So I'm agreements. promoting illegal stuff now. So uh, <laughs> I don't uh, like if that seems to be a legitimate service, I don't know how that is illegal. Yeah. True. <laughs> All right. So, um, that's the other one. And then the last one is, is technical. So, this is nothing, absolutely nothing new, but it's something that's been on my list for a very long time since I use Vim and I'm in the command line a lot. It just makes sense to be um, using Tmux, and I finally um, started doing that now two weeks ago, and uh, it's pretty awesome. I was always under the impression that it was way more complicated, but it's actually super simple. Tmux um, is to do what? What does that do? It's basically um, a... a a terminal multiplexer but it's so you can have multiple windows in a single terminal and you can jump between them mm -hmm. it's sort of like the tab thing but it's all in a single in a single com um, 
terminal window. Mm-hmm. But the the thing I actually wanted it for, the thing I think is so cool, is because you can you can basically detach from a Tmux Tmux session, and you can either do that locally or remotely. But essentially, what it lets you do is you can open a session, uh, create a window, and start some process. And then if you detach from the Tmux session, which then continues to run in the background, your long-running process will simply continue to run even you know if you don't even if you don't use the uh, even if you close the terminal because you can then basically reattach to it. And hmm. where this becomes really interesting, of course, is on the server, mm-hmm. um, where you can open uh, a Tmux session, start running something that takes a long time, and don't have to be connected to it constantly so you can basically detach even disconnect from the vpn or yeah from the server and then come back and um connect to it again and you're right there in your session which also means you can have your entire environment running on the server at all times and uh, another interesting feature of course is because it's um just a process that you can connect to you can do remote um peer programming so you could essentially have multiple people connect to the same Tmux session and they then see what you're typing on their screen, which is kind of neat. So Yeah, cool. So yeah, I started using that and uh, don't know why I didn't do this sooner. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's always this uh, little lear- learning curve that one is afraid of, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's my picks. Awesome. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't, I didn't, I didn't. I couldn't think of anything today. Um, okay. So I don't have any picks, but um, I can definitely say that there is another interview scheduled for for um, this week. So actually this podcast is going to come out on Wednesday and on the same day I'm going to have the, the interview. And um, yeah, so that will be released hopefully the week after. And that interview is going to be with Rachel Myers. And yeah, I'm excited to to talk to her. She's a uh, she's a very prolific Ruby developer, and uh, very active in the community. So that's going to be very interesting. Awesome. All right. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. Um, as always, you can find the show notes at descriptive.audio/episodes/fifteen. Um, you can contact us at descriptivepod or via the form on the website. And I'm uh, H. Gladdergotts on Twitter. And uh, again, if you like the show, please go into iTunes, take a minute, give us a rating. And even better, if you could write a review, that'd be awesome. It helps us out to uh, yeah, be found by more people. That's right. See you next time. All right, bye.